Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our evening service, Sunday 18th of August, 2019. This evening we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from 1 John, chapter 5, verses 9 to 13, and brings us a message entitled, It's a Matter of Life or Death. I just want to read a few verses to you this evening. You will find them in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and we're reading from verse 9. And this is the word of the Lord. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God give us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son is life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And we thank God for his word. Someone asked a football fanatic in the city of Liverpool, are there not two great teams in Liverpool? And the guy looked at him and said, yes, there are. One is Liverpool, and the other is Liverpool Reserves. Apologies to any Everton supporters who may be here this evening. I don't know whether you know anything about football or anything about Liverpool, but they had a great manager, and they still have a great manager and a great team. And one of their great managers was a man called Bill Shankly. And here's what he said on one occasion. Some people believe football is a matter of life and death. It's much, much more important than that. And such sentiments have been echoed by many an ardent football fan to the amazement of those who have no interest, to those who think it's crazy that 22 men run up and down a pitch following a ball that is just full of wind. And how they describe it as a beautiful game is beyond their imagination. For some it is football. For others it is rugby or some other sport. For some it is music. For others it is art or politics or something else. We all have something that we're passionate about. Something that at times seems more important than life or death. Yet deep down we know that there is nothing more important than life and death. The destination of the Premier League title may matter immensely to the players, to the manager, to the directors or shareholders and fans. Yet win or lose, next year the campaign will begin in earnest all over again. Believe it or not, 
In a hundred years' time from now, it won't really matter whether the history books record that Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham or City or United are crowned champions in 2010. But when we turn to the Bible, when we listen to the Word of God, we learn valuable truths about life and death. We learn, first of all, that life really matters. Life really matters. You see, without life, we are nothing. And without life, we have nothing. Without life, there is no sport, there's no music, there's no arts, there's no politics or anything. And death matters too because death takes from us everything that we have. We learn the truth of Job's words. We brought nothing into the world and we can certainly take nothing out of this world. And the Bible speaks of death as an enemy. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 and he describes death as the last enemy. Death is an intruder that robs us of life and all its pleasures. So there is nothing more important than life and death. And that's why so many people willingly forsake their passions in life in order to be beside a loved one in his or her final death. You have no need for me to come to an evening congregation tonight to say this, that death is a great leveler. It crosses every continent, it touches every class, it affects every creed, and it comes to those under every climate. And death has a way of helping us get things in proportion. When faced with death, with the death of someone close to us, the things we ordinarily devoted to fade into insignificance, and they lose their significance whatsoever. So when we open the Bible, we discover that life and death matter. But we discover something else. We discover something about a life and a death that really matters. We're all deeply affected by the life and death of many a family, friend, and loved one. But there's someone whose life and death matters to everyone this evening. Not just to those who are close to him, but to those who are far away from him too. And of course, that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross outside Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago, the future of the entire human race hung on the outcome. He died. He was buried. And if he had remained in the tomb, there would have been no hope for any of us this evening. We would be meeting in vain. It'd be a waste of time to read about the Bible. It'd be a waste of time singing the songs that we've just been singing. For death would have had the last word and claimed us all forever. And so it's no exaggeration to say that what happened to Jesus after he died on the cross was a matter of life and death for you and me as much as it was for him. And the fact that he didn't remain under the power of death but emerged from the tomb on the third day has implications for all of us. 
It means that if we align ourselves with the if we align ourselves with the conqueror of death, if we're on his side, then we will also share in his triumph. The Bible teaches us that all who repent of their sins and trust in him will share in his victory over death. There is a great verse in the Word of God in Paul's swan song to his young son in the faith called Timothy. It's located in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 10. We read there that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. One translation puts it like this. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. The old hymn puts it like this. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. It doesn't mean that people don't die anymore. Every day people die. But what it does mean is that through his death and resurrection, the Lord Jesus has destroyed death's hold on those who belong to him, and he gives them life and peace that will never end. In place of a dark, bleak future under the wrath of God for our sins beyond the grave, he promises eternal life and light and love in his eternal presence forever and forever. Here is something that we need to learn. We need to learn something about this life and about this death that really matters. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever believes in me shall never die. And then he poses this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus died? Do you believe that Jesus died for sinners? Do you believe that Jesus died for sinners like you and me? Do you believe that Jesus was buried and on the third day he rose again from the dead? And the reason why he rose again from the dead was because all that he did on the cross was sufficient to accomplish the salvation of all who would look to him and believe in him. The old Puritan put it like this, he died to settle all and he rose again to prove that all was settled. How do you respond to this question that Jesus raised. Do you believe this? How do you respond to this? It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. You see, we learn about life that matters. We learn about a life and death that really matters. And we learn that we matter. There's nothing, absolutely nothing more important than this. We read this evening the words of the apostle in his letter toward the end of the New Testament. If you receive the witness of man, the testimony of man. And every day in the world in which we live, we receive the testimony of man. And sometimes they let us down. 
Sometimes they fail to deliver the day they told us they would deliver. Sometimes they fail to keep the appointment that they promised to keep. But not so with God. John says, if we receive the testimony of man, the testimony of God is greater. And here is the testimony. Note its simplicity. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Note the simplicity here. Note the sufficiency here. Whoever has the Son is life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What do you not understand about that? You see, there are two races on the face of the earth tonight. There are those who are in Adam, and there are those who are in Christ. Those who are in Adam are on the broad road in the kingdom of darkness, leading to destruction. Those who are in Christ are on the narrow road, leading to God's eternal dwelling place. Years ago, a very wealthy man shared with his devoted young son a passion for art collecting. Together they traveled the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, and others adorned the walls of the family estate. The widowed father looked on with satisfaction as his only son became an expert art collector. The son's trained eye and sharp business mind caused his father great pride as they dealt with art collectors around the world. In 1914, as winter approached, war engulfed the nation, and the young man was called up to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram that he had been dreading. His beloved son had been killed in action, saving the life of a friend. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the Christmas season that he and his son had so looked forward to was gone. On Christmas morning, there was a knock at the door. The old man opened the door. He was greeted by a young soldier with a large package in his hand on leave from the Western Front. He introduced himself as the soldier that his son rescued and as a result was killed. He also said that he had an interest in art, and the old man invited him in. For a few moments, they began to talk. The soldier told the old man how his son often talked about his father's love for art. And then he said, I'm an artist too, and I want you to take this. The old man unwrapped the package. He saw that it was a portrait of his son, And although the world would never consider it the work of a genius, the painting showed the face of the old man's son in detail. Overcome with emotion, the father hung the portrait of his son over the fireplace, moving aside many expensive art collections to make space for it. And often the old man sat in his chair and spent that Christmas gazing at the gift that he had been given. The painting of his son soon became the most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of art for which museums around the world clamored. Ten years later, the old man died, and the art world waited with anticipation for the upcoming auction. According to the father's will, all the artworks were to be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he had received 
the greatest gift. The day soon arrived and the art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. The auction began with a painting that was not on anyone's list. It was the painting of the father's son by the young soldier. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. Who will open the bidding with a hundred pounds? No one spoke. Finally, someone shouted, Who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's get on with the real stuff. Finally, a neighbor of the old man offered fifty pounds. That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer said, Going once, going twice, gone. And the hammer fell. Cheers filled the room and someone exclaimed, Now we can bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked at the room with with the people in it and then announced that the auction was over. And everyone was stunned. Then someone spoke up and said, What do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a painting of the old man's son. There are expensive art collections here. What's going on? And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the old man's will, whoever received the painting of his son would get everything. Men and women, young people, that's the gospel. Whoever receives the Son of God gets everything that God has for us. Life Light and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. Do you want joy tonight? It's found in Christ. Do you want life tonight? It's found in Christ. Do you want life and light and the hope of glory in your soul tonight? It's found in nothing else and in no one else save Jesus Christ. We read, we read these words in John's Gospel. Henry read them to us this evening. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. You see, I can't remember a day in my life when I didn't believe. The wee boy, I believed. But there came a moment when I received That's what the Bible means when it says to believe. Not an intellectual belief, not an academic belief, but a belief that recognizes that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And the only Savior that can save sinners is the Savior that came from heaven's glory to die on a cross that our sins might be forgiven. To as many as received Him, To them he gave the right to become the children of God. There was an old preacher from South Africa who said this. I never forgot it. He said, you can't become what you already are. People in religious broadcasting today define humanity as all the children of God. We're not all the children of God. We are all of God's creatures. God has made us. In him we move and live and have our being. We become children of God. And we become children of God when we receive 
the Son of God. Notice what John says tonight. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood. It doesn't run in the family. Nor of the will of the flesh. If I could save my family tonight, I wouldn't rest until I met every one of them and saved them. But it's not in me to save anyone. It's of God and God alone. He who has the Son has life. And he who has not the Son of God does not have life. It's a matter of life and death. In Christ there's life. Without Christ there is death. May God write his word on all our hearts this evening for his name's sake. We're going to.